Hello again and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. I think I'm a little excited, Brian. It's been a while, my man. I am very excited, and if you like excitement and music and crime, you're in the right place. Every other Wednesday, this man and I bring you a true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures in law-breaking. If you like music history, crime history, murder mystery, and more, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing like a, a read. Oh, well, you are doing a read. I mean, it's what I say every time. It has it been is. a while. It, so It has been a while. We have uh, been busy with uh, the sickness. Is that Yeah, I let people busy. know out on Twitter that Ben called in sick. So unfortunately, I apologize, guys. We missed a week. We I, did. That won't happen very often. Well, I, was on, I, wasn't, I wasn't the sick one. My family got sick. Oh, man, I just felt so bad. I was talking to my brother on the way in here today. The whole the whole house is just sick. Yeah, they're just all nasty. Not not like got a headache and a fever. No, all the all the nastiness. The the things we shall not speak of on this podcast. <laughs> things that shall not be named. He's got he's got two little kids and everybody's just doing everything. It's coming out of both ends. It's coming out of everybody's both ends. That's not what you want. And his house is getting roofed, so they're all banging on the roofs as they're all sick oh, in the. <laughs> God. All right. Well, okay, that's a great way to open the show. <laughs> yeah, way to start. Let's uh, talk about nasty body fluids. But we're back. So uh, thanks for sticking around, everybody. Share with a friend. We've got some exciting news. Um, apparently, according to the internet, Wyoming's a place. Wyoming exists. They got the internet in Wyoming. Wyoming finally downloaded an episode of Crime Woo! and Music. Yay, Wyoming. Thank you to Wyoming. Thanks to everybody else. Man. That felt good because for a while I didn't understand. I was like, "Why is why why Wyoming? Why why?" Roaming in Wyoming. Well, the roaming has landed, and they've got crime and music like everybody else. So thanks for that. Thanks for you people who shared your people in Wyoming. I yes. know that's what happened. Someone was like, "My cousin Ethel lives out there. I'm gonna share her an episode." Yeah, I'm gonna share her up an episode. Ha! Huh. All right, are you ready? I am. What are we at? What episode are we on today? We are on episode forty. We've done forty, thirty-nine of these things. Thirty-nine. Crack up. Well, we have actually done forty. There's a secret Johnny Cash episode that people don't know about, except for the good people of Australia. Oh yeah. Well, hold on. We I thought we published that. Here. That was never released in the states. It, so well, if you go to our website, you can access, you'll find a uh, Johnny Cash super secret episode. Super secret. Super secret. But today it's not a secret. Today is going to be interesting. There's a lot of cards here. That is a fat stack. Are those printed off the, the printed computer? Wow. All printed in digital, wow. which may not be the best thing, but I we're going to try I feel out. like now, Brian, even though the cards are handy, they're nice. It's a good tool yes. to quickly flip back and forth. Yes. Can't we just get it on a the phone uh go paperless yeah go paperless that's, save trees that's the goal maybe for 2020 we'll try and go paperless. Yeah, I, I, but i think there's a certain advantage of having the cards actually physically talking and handling them and yes going back real it, quick it's much quicker to yeah. shuffle through yeah. physically right. than on my phone so and we god we, forbid somebody call us yeah and we strive to as people in life to you know be good <laughs> stewards of the earth well, that's true. Yeah. We are good stewards of the earth. I mean, hey, I'm sounds... starting to recycle some things. Nice. Yeah. Now, Ben is the person who came up and, and taught me that recycling actually causes more pollution. There but... are good and bad aspects of recycling. Unfortunately, the big problem in the United States for recycling is our government took it over. It oh, is, 100%. Right. I mean, they put quotas on things, so they are being, to get their money, they need to recycle stuff. And like... so you, you sort all your shit out, five different trucks come to your house and pick it up. 
and it all goes in the same landfill. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against recycling. I'm against whatever that is. That's true. Uh, uh, the, the plan is great. The execution is poor. But yeah. The name that shall not be mentioned guilted me into recycling, and now I'm, 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 uh, I'm recycling a select few commodities. Nice. All right. Nice. My wife has actually uh, gone to the next level, and uh, she wish cycles, they call it. She recycles things that she wishes she could recycle, like styrofoam and like things like that that don't go in our recycling. She just puts it in there? She just puts it in there. Yeah, feel, you feel good. That's yeah, basically the like, whole thing. Yeah, she's good. And yeah, then I feel good. Specifically, our, our town had a, like a monthly newsletter that comes out online, which had a, <laughs> like a little asterisk. It was like, please. Only recycle what's recyclable and stop putting them in those stupid grocery shopping bags. The workers at the recycling plant then just have to shake the bag out and it yeah, takes more pick, time. Yeah. And my wife's like, meh. Yeah, you got to take those 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 bags to Myers. I put it in the bin. It's good. You got to take them. Oh, and I always tell them at the grocery just stores, hey, put a done. lot of stuff in one bag. I can handle <laughs> it. So and, and, and so they don't have to use so many bags. You Fancy know? man. You have somebody else check you out at the grocery well, store. Well, then huh? they put. They're like triple bag. I'm like, you guy. That's why I check out myself. I'm going to start bringing in laundry baskets and just put all my stuff in the laundry basket without a bag. <laughs> like Aldi's. That's what. <laughs> yeah, it is. All, all right. right let's, let's get into this. Uh, five minutes into the discussion. Oh, God. And I always hit the wrong button. All right. Technical difficulties. Oh, I know that song. Hey, all we're right. back with technical difficulties. That's a big part of our show. All right, guess the guest is what we're doing right now for episode 40. Get your 40s out, everybody. Uh, Guess the guest, here we go. The voice. The voice. Simon Cowell. No. Very close, though. Paul Abdul. Ooh, no. The Sultan of Swoon. All right, I'm going with a dude. (laughs) Sultan. Sultan. That is very gendered. Okay. All right. Sultan. No? No. He's the chairman of the board. Oh, uh, Frank Sinatra? Yes, All right. Frank Sinatra. Oh, Blue <laughs> Eyes himself. Ooh, oh, I, he did it. I, I thought I could get that after you said uh, the salt in a swoon. Yeah. That's where my mind was at in that area of time of those. Yeah, that was where my yes, mind was at. we had the voice because... Frank Sinatra has a golden voice. The Sultan of Swoon, um, that actually comes up. Chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. He was, has a quote, yeah. too. He's like, people would always come up and ask me, what board are you chairman of? And he, he would be like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't. I, I, I like Frank Sinatra. I'm well, you're not going to. No, you are. No, okay. There's really not much. Right. It's, it's actually a pretty light episode. <laughs> but it is Frank Sinatra. We had a request from uh, some friends of ours, um, a man we call Roy. Was like you really should check out Frank Sinatra. Had an interesting life, and he did. You know, we're right. gonna get into some mafia things. We're gonna get into some Vegas things. Uh, I like the mis- things. I like the mis- mystique around him. Ooh, the Rat Pack. Yeah, I like the the sort of the image of that time of 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 Vegas and oh yeah and, yeah and the mafia a little bit. And, Old Blue and, Eyes and the being cool man. Swoon, he was cool. Swoonatra was gonna yeah. be my last. Uh, Swoonatra. Yeah, one. Yeah. 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 All right. December 12th, 1915, born Francis Albert Sinatra in Hoboken, New Jersey, USA. Okay. Hoboken right. is part of New York metropolitan area. It's located on the Hudson Waterfront. It's in part of the port of New York and New Jersey. Like okay. And he was, I mean, that's his name. Yes. Francis Sinatra. Francis Albert Sinatra. Yeah. So we're going to call him Francis. That's what we do. Do we? I just, I never call him by their, I didn't call him ODB. His name uh, was Russell. Russell. Hoboken is the uh, location of the first recorded game of baseball ever in the United States. Is it really? June 19th, 1846, Hoboken, New Jersey at the Elysian Fields. 
The uh, New York Nine from the New York Baseball Club defeated the Knickerbockers from New York 23-1 to in four innings. Huh. <laughs> Smashed them. What's a Knickerbocker? Uh, yeah, actually, damn it. I always try to anticipate your questions. I used to know that because I of mean, the Knicks. Um, yeah, well, it was Knicks, uh, and there's the Knickerbocker Hotel in, in New York. I believe it's a description of a type of, like, person, like, uh, like a patriot or someone like that, like a Knickerbocker. Okay, well, so, like okay, a beef, Like a beef eater. Homework, people. If you know, send us a note. Notable people from Hoboken. Oh, I bet there's a lot. Colonel John Stevens, inventor and founder of Hoboken. <laughs> Didn't, okay, so what? I stuck kind of to Inventor me. of Hoboken? <laughs> what it's Look that. what I have invented. <laughs> it says inventor. A piece of land. <laughs> land. I call it land. People will like it. I call it Hoboken. We'll only make so much and then never make, well, Hawaii. They're making more. Uh, but any, yeah, it just said inventor and then slash founder of Hoboken. I don't think he invented Hoboken. Well, it said it on your card. It did. If it says it on your card, Brian, it's, it's gospel. That's a fact. <laughs> it was at least printed three times on the internet. That's how it makes it on the card. All right. Uh, the Bongos, they're an alternative rock pioneers band. Uh, Julio Fernandez, longtime guitarist. Julio. Yeah, he's longtime guitarist for the band Spyro Gyro. Okay, get to some people I know. Maria Pepe, the first girl to play Little League Baseball. Seriously, dude. You're a Little League coach. I am, but I mean, not for girls. I'm uh, just kidding. Hey, we'll, by the way, no. Whoa. No, we are pushing our, our, our league into getting as many young women playing as possible. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't, as a, as a father of a daughter, I don't think it's, I don't think it's right. It's fine if girls play softball over baseball, but I think we should let them. You should have the opportunity. Yeah. And I'll tell you, softball's just as hard to freaking do as baseball. Is it gonna... Just because the ball's bigger doesn't mean they don't put certain things in place to make that sport very, very tough. That underhand pitch is fast. Oh, my gosh, and you're Ooh. so close. Yep. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's legit. Uh, all right. Um, somebody famous. Will, mean, uh, here you go. William Lowell Sr., he's a dentist and the inventor of the wooden golf tee. He's from Hoboken. Are you joking me? Is there anybody on this list that anybody cares about? G. Gordon Liddy. Okay. <laughs> Watergate conspirator and radio talk show host. Shoot them in the head. I used to listen to him. Oh, God. He's a crazy dude, I, man. That's why he's on the list, because I knew that. Yeah, he was one of the guys that broke into the Watergate Hotel for he garrot uh, some, He garroted somebody, right? That was always, we talked about him in grade school. What was no, that I don't know what he did or didn't do during that. I think he, that was just a burglary. I see. But he was uh he was a he was a crazy son bitch. I think is he st- I think he's still alive. I don't know. I don't, don't want to say anything bad about yeah, him. I mean well. he's up there with he's up there with uh uh what's his Epstein? name in jail? No, <laughs> no, um the guy I'm still scared of. Oh, um Shug Knight. Shug Knight, yeah. <laughs> him All right, we don't want him and G Gordon Liddy on our bad We're going to we're going to round it out with Steve Shelley, the drummer for the uh, rock band Sonic Youth and the entire band Yola Tango. All, All from right. Hoboken. All right. Hoboken. And it's for a those hotbed for talent. If you're not in the music, Buddy Velastro, the cake boss, is also from Hoboken. Okay. Anyway, uh, Francis said of Hoboken, quote, everybody carried a 12-inch pipe then, and they weren't studying to be plumbers. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, Francis got some parents, Natalie Dali Graventara. Gra- Gra- Graventa. Graventara. Well, Graventa. There's no Graventa. Dali. But you're supposed to go, why'd they call her Dali? Why, why, Brian? Yeah. Why'd they call her Dolly? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, Ben. As an adult, she stood less than five feet tall and weighed approximately 90 pounds. Hmm. <laughs> Large you, lady. You know, we use the term for those people today. <laughs> yeah, we can say it. Yeah, no. Yeah. All right. I don't want to spin the conversation somewhere badly. 
Uh, his dad's name was Antonio Martino Marty Sinatra, and uh, they were Italian immigrants. Yeah, really think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Dolly would translate for Italian immigrants during the court proceedings, like when they were in America, because they immigrated to the States. And um, because she would be like, I speak English and a bunch of different dialects of Italian, people were like, can you talk for me please and she's like all right cool so this oh, so guy she was she would help immigrants right in, in, in the, the courts States, or whatever immigration sure. court or whatever you want to call it uh, yeah, she get, was a translator yeah ellis island but like not official but just you know like that lady speaks sicilian and yeah whatever and all that stuff so uh she'd translate for the immigrants doing during that stuff and this got her respected position sort of in local politics well, in that time, there were there were a lot of people coming over from um, overseas. Oh, in boats, yeah, it was just a Russian. By, that's the whole Ellis Island, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, honestly, I think it might be Paris Island. Anyway, somebody will tell us. Ellis Island is one that the Statue of Liberty's on. Right, I think you might be right, Brad. Paris Island. Oh, I've been to both, and now you can't. Can you go to the Statue of Liberty anymore? I don't know if you can. Um. You no, but get... I know there is a debate whether New York owns the Statue of Liberty or oh. New Jersey. Oh. there's And there's been many, many debates. Well, it's owned, I think, actually by the federal government is the Park Service or something. Takes yeah, care I was of it. like, take it up with the French. They're the one who gave it to us. Um, Actually, it was just a dude from France. It wasn't officially given to us from another country, I don't think. Oh. It was a dude trying to shop his wares, and he wanted to give it to some World's Fair. And they're like, eh, well, I don't, no, I don't it, want that. Eiffel. Design the tower, yeah. The guy, same guy who made Eiffel Tower, because that's based like the Statue of Liberty is his mother. That's her face. Huh. Anyway, she's a handsome woman. Well, speaking of Statue of Liberty, back then those days, it is. It's about 1919, and uh, Dolly chains herself to City Hall in support of the women's suffrage movement. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. According to a biographer, Kitty Kelly, Dolly was a foul-mouthed woman of quote such gall that men had to recognize her as their equal. And she's just a little tiny thing. Little, uh, <laughs> Those ones you got to watch out for. She worked as a midwife, earning 50 bucks for each delivery. That's a lot of money back in 1919. Still feel like it's a lot, you're not even doing all the labor. Yeah. She also ran an illegal abortion service that uh, catered to Italian Catholic girls, which she got the nickname Hatpin Dolly. Ugh. Do you even want to think about no, what a hatpin uh, uh, abortion no, is like? No. no, me neither. I just let it at that. I'm like, no. I'm not going down. I don't want to. No. Nope. Francis's dad was uh, an illiterate bantamweight boxer who fought under the name Marty O'Brien. Oh, what the hell? You're an Italian <laughs> dude. L- live it. Love it. Well, we'll get there. Uh, he retired from boxing in 1926 after having broken both wrists, and he had a record of 1-8, and eight, and he got knocked out six times in a row. <laughs> okay, so he didn't flourish at that. No. But uh, reference sake, bantamweight back then is 115 to like 118 pounds. These are I, small people. I think there's still a bantam in boxing. Oh, for sure. But I think yeah. it's like 126 now or something like that. Oh, so, okay, whatever. Anyway. Uh, later, Francis's dad worked for the Hoboken Fire Department, ended up spending 24 years there, worked his way up to captain. Oh, I bet you had a good good career there. That was a That's an honorable, good, nice career still today, for sure. Fire captain. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they had eloped, uh, Marty and, and Dolly on Valentine's Day, 1913, and they were married in City Hall, New Jersey, um, just a little bit that same day, so. Aw, uh, those know. crazy kids. They later got remarried in a church. Francis was born. He weighed 13.5 pounds at birth. Bullshit. I call bullshit. <laughs> I'm just saying what it says. I'm, I, listen, scales back then, the moon was closer. I don't know, 13 pound babies. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're a foal. Andy was a breech birth. 
they had to use the uh, forceps to deliver him, which caused severe scarring on his left cheek, neck, and ear, and perforated his eardrum, damage that remained for his life. I, that fifth, what, whatever. All right. Childhood operation. It was on the internet. It's got to be true. Childhood operation on his mastoid bone left scarring on his neck, and he suffered from cyst acne that scarred his face and his neck. Some children called him Scarface when he was 11, and this made him angry, and he always had, like, resentment towards the doctor who delivered him. And now you're called Scarface, and you're cool. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Francis was raised Roman Catholic. Yeah, they're Italian, man. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they do. What happened in 1920 in the United States, Ben? Um, drinky, the, drinky. Oh, was it prohibition? Prohibition right. became I was trying to really law. Think about it. Now, you tell, give people who are non-Americans a real quick sense of prohibition. That's when our government said we shouldn't drink alcohol, and so they made it illegal. There you go. They didn't make it illegal to drink it; they just made it. Buy you it, had to have a possess it. You had to have a stamp, a federal stamp to make alcohol they didn't they didn't say that was illegal they just didn't give out any stamps (laughs) you need this oh where do you get those we don't make those yeah it it, i think they actually had the same thing for uh marijuana that's a great medical uh government loophole oh yeah so well he's got to be certified well how do i get certification we don't certify people (laughs) and just like all good uh, just like all good drugs you put it you make it illegal the uh underground market comes out and flourishes well that that folds nicely. Dolly and Marty ran a tavern during those years called Marty O'Brien's. That's where he got his boxing name. Still staying with that Irish name. They were allowed to operate because local officials refused to enforce the law. Yeah. Yep. That, that, that wasn't too uncommon. There were still a lot of places everybody knew about to go drink. And it's been theorized that the Sinatras got their liquor from some members of the mafia. Well, I know here in Michigan, we had a lot of, uh, we, were trans, we transported a lot of liquor from Canada. Across oh, the, yeah. the Detroit River. Yep, the boats. In boats, and, and however they would get them over. Rum runners. Yeah, and... Um, That's a sweet name. Our 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 le- our little bit of uh, gangness here was the Purple Gang. Purple Gang, Purple correct. Purple Hand Gang or something like the yep. Purple Gang. The Purple Gang, yeah. down in Detroit. Yep. We'll get there. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, actually. Cool. Yes. 1921, when Francis was six years old, his Uncle Babe, yes, his name was Babe, his uncle. Not Babe Ruth. No. Well, well never specified. Hey, it's Dolly's brother. He gets arrested for driving a getaway car after a railway express truck driver was murdered. So somebody, I feel like, was trying to boost a railway express truck, and then they killed the driver, and Uncle Babe went down. Uncle Babe is convicted and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Oh, Rikers Island? Did not specify. Isn't that the one in New York? Yes. All right. Other family members had minor clashes with the law. Francis's father and uncles had been arrested for assorted minor offenses, and Dolly was reportedly arrested six or seven times and convicted twice for providing those illegal abortions. With yeah, she pen. was a rabble rouser. Oh, dude, that's uh, she sounds like a yeah a rabble rouser. <laughs> I guess so. I was gonna say like a stronger word, but she might be cool if if she liked you. You know, you're like, oh, all right, you're just fierce for like the people and your friends and stuff. So. Francis recalled spending a lot of time at the bar, the family bar, Marty O'Brien's, um, working on his homework and occasionally singing a song on top of the player piano for spare change. All right. He earned some pocket money by singing on the street corners. Um, he was a mama's boy. Dolly just doted on him, right? But she's also kind of abusive, and when he made her mad, she would hit him with a small bat that she kept behind the bar. I, it's not right, but I think, our society today could use a couple more small bats. <laughs> Just there are some kids. I'm not saying it's right to hit a kid. No, but there are reasons to hit a kid. <laughs> 
No, we've always never, I mean, we never hit our kids other than if they were doing things as young children that would hurt them a lot. Like playing with an electrical outlet. Oh. You can't be doing that. No. Running out into the road. Right. You can't be doing that. So when I say hit a kid, I mean make a big production out of why they're being punished right. to where they're really scared, and then you give them a spanking, Okay. and you're not hitting them hard. Because once you got them scared that they're going to get hit, it's more of a mental thing. But it's mean. <laughs> it's it's sort of messing with their minds. But you're doing it out of a place of, I don't want to hit a kid. No. I'd never hit a kid out of anger. No. But if they're playing with an electrical outlet, I got to. You gotta I, I, really... got a couple, I got a couple things I'll do to teach you not to do that before you're getting a, a swat on the butt. I'll yeah. probably never, all three of my kids combined doled out less than five spankings. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. 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 Out yeah. Of, yeah. But enough. a couple kids I think need to hit, hit with a small bat. Well, young Francis, uh, he took a couple shots. He got out of pocket. We'll get there in a second. Um, he was excessively thin and small as a child and young man. His skinny frame later became a regular target of jokes from him and his Rat Pack buddies. We'll get to the Rat Pack in a minute. Um, during a stage show, Francis once said, quote, A little kid, skinny. So skinny, my eyes were single file. Between those two and my belly button, my old man thought I was a clarinet. <laughs> That's so stupid, but it's funny. Right? I'm so skinny, my eyes are single file. Francis developed an interest in music, particularly big band jazz music. In game show music. At a young age, and became addicted to listening to the radio. Ooh. Well, 1919, that's high entertainment, oh, right? Oh, and that was, mean, high, that was super technologically yeah. new and everything else. Voices are speaking to me from a box. Hey, who's, that, who's the big band guy that got shot down in Germany? Uh, Glenn. Glenn Campbell? No. No? Glenn Fry. Glenn Oates. Glenn. It might not be Glenn. It's not Glenn. What are you talking about? Give me more context. There was a big band leader. Um, the. Dun, oh, shoot. What are you. <laughs> he got shot down during World War II in Germany. Okay. He was going with his band, Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller. Nailed it. Got it. All right. Nice. Which I'm sure Frank listened to quite a bit of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Everybody did. So now he's listening to the radio. He began singing, um, sitting on top of the piano at the parents' bar. His mother was not enthusiastic about the idea of her son becoming a singer, but she realized when he was about 11 that he has something. Like, oh, I don't like it, but man, this kid can sing. Transylvania 6, 9,000. That guy. Nice. That was beautiful. Francis said, uh, quote, one day I got a nickel for doing a song just like that. Ooh. And uh, he said, this is the racket. I thought, it's, it's a wonderful to sing. I never forgot it. So he's like, I got paid for singing. So hey. if I'd have given you a nickel, that would have been. There you go. Totally. During his early teenage years, he forced himself to develop his voice, wanting to make something of himself. He listened heavily to Gene Autry, Rudy Valley. Uh, Russ Colombo and idolized Bing Crosby. Boom, 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 boom. So he seriously wanted, he was looking to do this. He wasn't, A, he sounded like he's a bit of a natural. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some natural talent there, but then he did work at it. Um, and and he, he likes the showmanship. And he was in that bar a lot. So, I mean, yep. you know, he was able to show his wares a little bit. Maybe where other kids were at a, I don't know if your dad's a milkman, you're driving around in a milk truck. Nobody's going to listen to you sing there. Got a lot of milk. You're probably good at making ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Would your parents own a bar with a piano? Might be an entertainer. Waiting for your dad in that lady's house for like 20 minutes? Yeah, well, <laughs> you never know. With a bunch of kids that run around the block that look just like you. <laughs> 
Uh, his uncle, uh, Domenico, gives him a ukulele for his 15th birthday. And right. right there, man, he's got his instrument, and he's got his, uh, his voice, and he starts performing at family gatherings, and that's what he always did. A ukulele at 15? Yeah. Okay. I, just get a guitar, man. Don't be such a wimp. That's probably expensive. I mean, that's yeah. literally, it's like, that's bigger, more wood, more strings, that's more expensive. So yeah. They're like, we'll get the little one. It's like one-third more. Now, ukuleles cost you eight times as much as a guitar. Yeah. Uh, Francis graduated from David E. Rue Junior High. He enrolled at A.J. Demhurst High School on January 28, 1931, where he was arranging bands for, like, school dances and stuff like that. I've noticed a lot of people we've talked about Yo. showed, you know, the famous musicians that were very good at their craft, showed a propensity for not only being able to make music, but just being in the industry, yeah, doing stuff in their high schools, doing stuff young, putting yes. stuff together, putting bands together, yes, um, facilitating the whole entire process along, not, not just singing pretty music or playing a nice guitar. A lot of our people, and this is what Frank's doing, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. He just wants to be mixed up in the... Mixed up in the business. Even in high school, working yep. it up. Early, yeah. Yep. They leaves high school without graduating, having only attended 47 days before being expelled for general rowdiness. School principal Arthur Stover stated, quote, he showed no real talent for anything. <laughs> Macy Haggerty, his math teacher, described him as lazy boy with absolutely no ambition at all Teachers. When, when it comes to school. Teachers and principals today would never. Oh, you can't. That's a meeting with a parent if you no. said uh, there, she shows no real talent for anything. <laughs> Be like, uh, excuse me, can we meet the teacher and his parents and stuff like that? And the I kid, mean, get him in here. Even back in the day with us, Brian, our teachers had to be a little politically correct. <laughs> Some, uh, shows potential. potential. That's, <laughs> like, that's just like saying no he's an idiot. <laughs> Your kid sucks. <laughs> Compared to all the other kids, your kid's terrible. <laughs> terrible. That's good. Francis's father uh, shared that sentiment. He's particularly disappointed with his son, hoping that he would at least make it to college. That's well. Back then, going to college would have been a much bigger deal than it's for a kid from the streets. Francis recalls his father scolding him in a very strong Italian accent on the school steps. What was the matter with you? Why, well, why don't you want to learn? Ah, ah! What's the matter with you? What's the matter? To please What's his mother. Hey, pizza party. Uh, To please his mother, he enrolled in Drake Business School. Drake Business School. There you go. Is this like the precursor to the Trump College? (laughs) Trump (laughs) University, possibly. (laughs) Mr. Drake. Uh, He leaves after 11 months, though, so it's not like he stuck it out. He did more than I ever did in college. His father insisted that Francis find a, quote, real job to avoid becoming a bum after leaving school. Uh, well, hey, that's what a father's job's to do. I mean, I, yeah, not wrong. I mean, he tried to be a boxer. He's terrible at it. Yeah, he's <laughs> but he tried. Chief. He went yeah. out there. Uh, his mom found him a job, though, as a delivery boy at the Jersey Observer newspaper. Oh, he's a newsie. He's a newsie for a bit, doing, doing paperwork. And he had one of those hats. Yeah, a little, little doughboy hat thing. Uh, he briefly works as a riveter, too, in the shipyards. So, a what? A riveter. Like oh, Rose, Rosie yeah. the Riveter. He's, he's a riveter. Riveting boats, I guess. Riveting the hell out of boats. And then uh, he performed at the local Hoboken social clubs like the Cat's Meow and the Comedy Club. And he sang for free on radio stations like WAAT in Jersey City. What? 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 Uh, in New York, he found his job singing for his supper, or he'd go up and do a song or two and get paid in cigarettes. Hmm. All right. 1935, he gets his first break when his mother, 
persuaded a local singing group, the Three Flashes. She went in there and just started fucking yelling at him, I guarantee <laughs> To you. let him join. She probably was knocking shit over. Nobody wants to hit this little girl that's you under five You want to have foot. my boy sing with you? Uh, Fred Tromburrow, the group's baritone, said, quote, uh, they only took him on board because he owned a car and then he could drive the group around. <laughs> See, the thing is, uh, Francis was a little spoiled, like, because he was an only child and his parents had sort of that bootlegging money and were hooked to the mob. He had fancy new clothes. He had a car. Oh, he had, like, all this stuff, right? So, he was kind so of a rich there, kid. So there is a mob connection. We haven't talked, we haven't talked about it. But Brian's going to do some exercising and walk around for a little Just while yoga. in the studio. Just what are you doing? Yoga stretch. No, so uh, he had mob connections then? Uh, I, I mean, mean, I guess. He was allegedly. I mean, from see, I, I think the mob has taken on a, uh, we, we think about it today as what we've seen in movies and TV. I think back then the mob was not a organized crime syndicate as what we think of, what we are taught through movies and TV. Right. It was more of just the way families helped families. People took care of each other, especially immigrants and especially the Italian immigrants in the Italian neighborhoods. So being an Italian immigrant or born of, yeah. you're going to have quote unquote mob connections just because There's we're family. Italian and <laughs> the my, my grandmother's literally from Sicily. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We know some mob guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably didn't right. have the same connotation as it did today back then right yeah i got okay. you the mob well all right with uh francis now in the three flashes the group became known as the hoboken four that the the three flashes was that the three dudes that let him drive him around yes okay so now he's actually in the group though singing the hoboken four and they pass this audition to appear on major bow's amateur hour it's a radio talent show major bow major bow and so uh, they each earn $12.50 for their appearance, but they end up attracting 40,000 votes, and they win first prize. Oh, wow. First prize is a six-month contract to perform on stage and radio across the United States. That's a big one. Francis quickly becomes the group's lead singer, and much to the jealousy of his fellow group members, starts getting a lot of attention from the girls. <laughs> Isn't that always the way with the lead singer? Oh, oh God. Always, dude. just a dude. singer in a rock and roll All band. Those, those dudes are always like that. All right, 1938, Francis, 18, finds employment as a singing waiter at a roadhouse called the Rustic Cabin. Hold on, a singing waiter. Yes. I, I know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Am I right? He's just waiting tables and singing? singing. Yeah, it's, I mean, have you been to Universal or Disney? <laughs> like, you go to those diners and then like, oh, all of a sudden somebody's singing and there's a, like a song breaks out and then all the servers start singing or. No. Like, no? I've never and will never. Go you, to anything like that. You ever been to a Texas roadhouse? Well, I mean. And all of a sudden, you're like, you hear the country music, then everybody's line dancing. I think it's one of those type I've of things. I've been to Texas roadhouse, but. I, oh, no? you never seen that? Oh, oh, oh wow. Know. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll dance. You ever been to Hooters? Because <laughs> I know this because I lived with you and that was our local bar. And every every day and we ever went, it was started, my birthday. They started dancing. Mine too. That's so weird. Uh, I, I don't know. That gimmicky crap. Just make no. some good food and bring it to me. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, uh, he all gets right. a job. Singing uh, waiter. Uh, Sorry. Singing waiter. You're fine. I, I never even occurred to me you'd question singing waiter. <laughs> I didn't know if it was one of those little goofy words they use, like knickerbocker or something. A singing waiter. Maybe what's that's a, what a knickerbocker what's is. What's a singing waiter besides a waiter that sings? What's your other I alternative? I don't know. I'm asking. It's like from the 20s. Like a dumb waiter or a lazy Susan? What are you looking for? <laughs> exactly. He works as a singing waiter. Oh, okay. So when the food's ready, he goes, oh. It may be a singing waiter. It's just a dumb waiter with a squeaky wheel. I don't know. Wow. It's in Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey. He gets paid 15 bucks a week. 
Um, bonus, the restaurant was connected to a radio station, WNEW. Huh. Okay. Not, so, not what? No, North, Northeast West New York City. Uh, he begins performing with the group live during the dance parade show. So he like takes a spot from the, 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 the waiting thing. Live? He's like, I got to go. And then you he mean gets, lightning crashes, guys? It could be. Do you get my reference? Lightning crash. Is it live or is it live? Right. Anyway, right. uh, despite the low salary, Francis felt that this was his big break. He's like, I'm on a radio show. I am singing next door. This is, I got a lot of exposure here. He even boasted to his friends that he was, quote, going to become so big no one could ever touch him. Okay. Well. He's confident. Yeah. 1938, while working at the cabin, Francis becomes involved in a dispute between his then-girlfriend, Tony Della Penta, who recently had a miscarriage of Francis's baby. A miscarriage, quote-unquote. Go see my mom. Oh, God. I didn't even put that together nah. until now. Uh, hey, my and, mom wants to talk to you. Well, there's a, there's a dispute going between this girl, Tony, and uh, Nancy Barbado. She's a stonemason's daughter and Francis's current fiancé. Oh, wow, all right. So, yeah. Francis uh, met Nancy in Long Branch, New Jersey. He was up there. He spent the summers up there in Long Branch. He worked as a lifeguard, so he's out on the beach doing things. And uh, as you can imagine, your fiancé catching you with your summertime girlfriend, that's not going to go well, that meeting between them It two. got weird. <laughs> really quickly. Uh, after seeing uh, her, Tony attempted to tear off Nancy's dress. Francis is like, Nancy, g- g- take off for a second. And he, he's like, I'm going to break up with Tony. He goes over to Tony. He's like, look, I'm going to marry Nancy. She's a little younger than you, to be honest. There's a note that said, who's several years younger. Uh, and because she's pregnant with my baby. Like, you were then, but you're not now, so I'm going to marry the one who's currently pregnant. Now, this is Nancy Sinatra. Well, this is going to be Nancy Sinatra. Barbado. All right. Not the one you're thinking of. These no? boots are made where we're walking is not this Nancy Sinatra. We're right on the tip there. All right, all right, so, all right. Just checking my cards to see when the break's coming. It's a couple cards. And you couldn't do that with a... Electronic device, stack the cards <laughs> up and see which pile's That's taller. That's correct. All right. Uh, so here's the thing. Because she's, he's breaking up with Tony, who just had a miscarriage of his baby, and mm. he's going out with Nancy, who's currently pregnant with his baby, Tony goes to the police. So Francis gets arrested for sex crimes. What? They he, had sex crimes back then? He was charged with seduction. <laughs> oh, arrest me right now, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I uh, mean, everywhere I ever go. Yeah, right. uh, so you know what seduction is. I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you I'm not thinking of what you're about to tell me. Go ahead. <laughs> seduction. Hey, baby, Legal- how, how you doing? When a man convinced an unmarried woman of good repute to engage in an inappropriate encounter with him. <laughs> it's called Tinder. There's generally a promise of marriage that is never actually forthcoming, thereby ruining her reputation. Dude, you know what would be a neat podcast? <laughs> uh, sorry. Off of this, I can only imagine. Going over stupid old-timey laws. That's a podcast already, I think. Is it? And yeah. just going over when they were last used, why they were made, if they're still on the books today. Because we hear about that stuff, and it's interesting. I mean, I don't see anybody getting convicted of seduction today. <laughs> I, it's probably still on the books, I mean, though. it's on the books, right, in New Jersey? I'm sure you could go. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't there a thing why you, why they, why call, they call Sundays a Sunday because you couldn't eat them on Sunday, and it was a, th- I don't know. Uh, I thought that that's the day the sun was made. No, the ice cream thing. Oh. I don't know. There's all sorts of, you can't spit on a sidewalk. There's probably some where women have to walk on a certain, 
compared to where the man's at. I don't know. I see. Are your cards out of order? No, I was just trying to find a nice break spot. That's oh. all. I was letting you letting you pontificate while I'm like, huh, where's a good spot where we stop here? So uh, he gets busted for his seduction. What's that? What kind of? What kind of? <laughs> what do you have to do? Uh, well, basically, Francis slept with Tony under the promise of marriage. That's no. I mean, what do you have to do to make? I mean, well, court ordered. Uh, oh, fine uh, or... uh, he's released on a fifteen hundred dollar bond, and the seduction charges were dropped once it was discovered that Tony was married. Uh, before. Uh-huh. So. Well, she is not now a woman in good repute. December 22nd, Bad 1938, repute. Francis is arrested again. Okay. Well, since the girl was married, they changed it from a seduction charge to an adultery charge. So. Because that was illegal. That's correct. All right. This time, he's released on bond again uh, for $500 instead of $1,500. He spends basically about 16 hours in jail, and uh, that's how that goes. Huh. So January 1939. He's a player. He is a player. All charges are dropped, and Francis never gets formally charged with adultery or seduction. The case is dismissed. But he's still, like, walking around going, that's right, boys. Yep. Uh, Basically, there's a famous mugshot that really boosted him up. Now, shortly after this incident, there's another fight between Tony and Dolly, Francis's mom, and this time Tony gets arrested. Oh. So, there you go. All right, February 4th, 1939, Francis marries Nancy Barbado at Our Lady of Sorrow Church in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay, sounds like a good Catholic church. Yep. So, uh, also, this is a good time in February. A uh, band leader, this guy Harry James, who heard uh, Francis sing on Dance Parade, that show he was on, signs a two-year contract, $75 a week, for one evening a, a night there uh, after every show at the Paramount Theater in New York. So, so one evening a night he has to sing? Yep, 75 bucks a week, goes out to Paramount, sings a show, booyah. That sounds like a pretty good payback then, compared to what he was getting paid before for winning the contest, working at the radio station. 75 bucks a week, that's big money. Yes. Now, this is, it's even better because with the James Band is that Francis releases his first commercial record from the bottom of my heart. Okay. Now, no more than 8,000 copies of the record were sold, and it was not well received, but... He's out there making records. He's now, he's now pressing, pressing records. Yep. Uh, he's been doing voice training, so now he can sing two tones higher, and he developed a great bank of songs. So he's really put out there, you know. Is he, is he writing his own songs, or is he just doing? He's just doing songs right now. Okay. I mean, he'll write a couple, or like one, two, but right now he's <clears> just really performing other people's songs. November 1939, he leaves James' band uh, to replace Jack Leonard as lead singer of Tommy Dorsey's band. Okay. Well, the big deal there is Dorsey gives him $125 a week. So so he's just doubling it. Money. Yep. Now, this is at the Palmer House in Chicago. So he's, now he's moving out to Chicago. The Palmer House. That's, where, that's uh, where we used to stay all the time. Really? Yeah. Nice. It, really? It's a, yeah. It's, oh. a, it's now a Hilton. I think it's a Hilton. Love a Hilton. But it, it is old-timey. Some of the rooms, they hotels back in the day, you really had to have some money to get a room that was anywhere near the size that you see rooms today at hotel rooms. Even oh, for sure. Like Holiday Inn Expresses and shit. Right, right, right. They were tiny little closet rooms almost. Right. So they ended up, like, they'd knock out a couple couple walls and make one room that was like a, adequate by our standards today. Like a suite. But the Palmer House is beautiful. Wow. I mean, down in their lobby and under the second floor, and they got some pianos and some just, everything's mahogany and brass and, you know, fancy wallpaper yeah wallpaper but it's that wow. text- it's all it's really nice 
Well, Francis was out there singing and stuff. I'm glad that's odd because just Palmer House was just in the note. I didn't think you'd actually know it. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where we stayed all the time for trade shows. That wow. was always the quote unquote trade show nice. hotel. All right, well, cool. Well, then you know he's doing good, singing out, singing out there once oh, a week. Yeah, you know, yeah. doing shows. Yeah, yeah. Chicago back in '39. Okay. Now, yeah, Chicago's big then. Probably as big as New York, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's not today, but it's still huge. I would say I don't know their industry anymore. It used to be pigs and hogs and stuff, and then the railroad yards, right? Yeah, they had a they had access to the water and to the Midwest. Gotcha. All right. Nah, June eighth, nineteen forty, needing some water and and some towels. Uh, Nancy and uh, Francis have their first kid. Uh, can I borrow a towel? I just had a water buffalo. <laughs> Uh, they have a baby, and they call it Nancy Sinatra. Okay, She was born go. at the Margaret uh, Haig Hospital in Jersey City. So, yeah, that's why he married a girl named Nancy, and then they named their first daughter kid Nancy. That's nice. That's very progressive right. back, in, back then. You'll hear about her. She comes up, and these boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. Mm-hmm. Nancy okay. Sinatra. Yeah, that's the one I know. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. Now, in his first years with the Dorsey Band, Francis recorded over 40 songs. Uh, in late 1940, he had his first vocal hit with the song Polka Dots and Moonbeams. Okay. Polka I, Dots and Moonbeams. I don't know how it goes. I, I, <laughs> I honestly have only heard a couple of Sinatra songs, I think, mm-hmm. that I'd recognize. Um, but I'd be interested in listening to some of the other ones. Oh, sure. Now, but he was, more, he was famous for so much more than just singing. We'll get there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah no. we got a lot of hard stuff. Yeah, okay. I'll even skip that. Uh, Polka Dots and Moonbeams is one of the top 100 most recorded jazz songs of all time. Is it really? Yeah. All right. Uh, two more chart appearances followed with Say It and Imagination, which was Francis's first top ten hit. Imagination. I don't know. That's my, <laughs> Michael Jackson. I don't know. Uh, hey, and to all of our listeners out there that write us the, the little, re- you know, reviews or comments <laughs> on all the, all the things, and if any of you ever say that we don't know what we're talking about, you're right. We don't. Nailed yeah. it. No. Yeah. I, I researched this for like eight to ten hours. That's pretty much my... Depth well, of knowledge in the subject. Yeah, and I, I so. did zero. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> so it's interesting, though, because we're trying to sing a song that we've probably heard. We don't know. Oh, never not. Yeah. Uh, his fourth chart appearance, 1940, I'll Never Smile Again. Uh, topped the charts for 12 weeks. How's that go, Brian? I'll never smile again. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I got. It's like Apple <laughs> Blossom Blues or something. <laughs> the Apple Dumpling Gang. Uh, May 1941, Francis tops the male singer polls in Billboard and Downbeat magazine. He appeals to the Bobby Soxers. That's what you called the teenage girls back then. About what year is this? 1941. Okay. So it's revealed uh, a whole new audience for record companies in popular music, which they never thought. They were just like, music is for old people like adults. They didn't think to sell it to kids. Old dudes. Old Not d- young women. Old dudes. Old dudes. Yeah, exactly. Old, old white dudes. <laughs> This phenomenon officially became known as Sinatra Mania. Sinatra Mania. I, I knew I knew it was Sinatra Mania. I just didn't want to flub. You mean the Sinatra-mania. first mania wasn't Hulkamania? <laughs> no, brother. It was <laughs> Sinatra Mania. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's it. Yep, it's Frank would come out and he'd like hold his hand up to his ear. <laughs> oh, you listen to the other side. Then he'd go to the other side and do the wave. Like oh. Then he'd flex. Yep, flex it out. The double guns. Oh, and then at the very end of his show, he'd do a leg drop on the band leader, and then that was. Oh, all. and then that one time they all joined the NWO. Oh, that <laughs> was went a bad. sad day, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rat Pack turned into the Wolf Pack, and it went bad. And so, anyway, you know what? We're gonna leave it on that for a second. We're gonna go into our mid break real quick. <laughs> Everybody's just like, huh? What the hell are they talking about now? Snatch a Wolf Pack. 
Jerome Tremaine, you pack a hat on. All right, if anybody knows what the Wolf Pack is or the NWO, <laughs> let us know at crimeandmusic.com. Nash for life. All right, have a break. We'll be back. I think we should try to get more wrestling in the podcast. I feel like we get a fair amount of wrestling in our podcast. But... anything about the new grand theft auto coming out yet uh no oh i mean just that it's coming out and the map is huge and i, I don't know I'd anything like to get about some more on that i feel like it should be a woman lead protagonist honestly oh i don't care but i've already made comment we're gonna i'm gonna get into the online play i'm not just gonna play the story i gotta i'm with you then right, i'll yeah, do that i'll yeah. get i'll get back in i'll get an xbox membership or something and get back in if you're gonna be on gta live i yeah, will totally yeah, yeah, i think we got about a year because I love it. I love. That's the only reason I bought. People have heard us say it before. The only reason I bought a new gaming console was to get the next Grand Theft Auto, and that's what'll happen the next time when they release it on the next gen platform. I will buy a next gen platform just to get Grand Theft. Auto. That's why they do it. That's all I do. And the cool thing about Grand Theft and Rockstar in general is yes. that they will put in things that aren't discovered things. for years. Oh, dude, that whole like with the aliens and the uh, the jetpack and the and the spaceship on Grand Theft Auto Five was. I mean, I I've never done any of those crazy quests and or, the Bigfoot stuff and yep. the, and the serial killer stuff. They Teen did, Wolf serial killer. All oh, of the, it. the the Teen Wolf thing. I just saw that the other day. I never done it. That's no, almost nearly impossible to do. I swear, I saw Bigfoot in the woods one time just playing that because I would sit unemployed for years playing that game. <laughs> Not looking for work, babe. No, don't worry about it. Ah, a lot of guns. Speaking of work. Speaking of work, we uh, hit the phenomenon known as Sinatra Mania. He had this legendary show at the Paramount Theater in New York on December 30th, 1942. And, like, tons of people were there. He nailed it. There's this guy, Jack Benny. You might have mm-hmm. heard of him. He's oh, yeah. Famous there. He, put, he said, quote, I thought the goddamn building was going to cave in. I never heard such a commotion. All this for a fellow I never heard of. So, like, Sinatra just slammed onto the scene, man. You're yeah, like, well, this and, is the and Jack Benny was one of the older guard at yeah. that time, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. Francis performed for four weeks at the theater. Uh, his act was following the Benny Goodman Orchestra, another big band guy from back in the day, after which his contract was renewed for another four weeks due to his popularity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep milking that cow. He became known as Swoonatra, or The Voice. Swoonatra. Swoonatra. And he's married. Yes. Well, Man, that's got to yeah. be hard for everybody involved. Uh, it, it gets I, harder in a minute. <laughs> His oh, fans geez. called Sinatrix. Sinatrix? Sinatrix. Sinatra. 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 Tix. Sinatra Tix. Wow, that's a clunky name. Did you write it down wrong? Sinatra Tix. Well, no, I, I'm, I don't. Sinatrix. Right? Sinatrix. 
Sinatrix. Yeah, there's that extra ra in there. That's what I'm saying. It should be Sinatrix, but it's not. There's a ra. There's another A. There's an extra A. S-I-N-A-T-R-A-T-I-C-S. Sinatrix. I think somebody's about ready to call us out on our on our comments. Hey, you guys are fun to listen to, but you're idiots. Yeah, well, <laughs> I get that comment a lot. Within a few weeks of the show, some thousands of Sinatra fan clubs sprung up all across the U.S. So there are some people out there in the Sinatra ticks that could write us and be like, I'm a member of the fan club since 1942. Yeah. No, I, I get the fan. I think that was the beginning of, like, fan clubs. Because you said a lot of times they didn't even market this stuff to anybody but older. Old adults. Old dudes. Right. Yeah, and now these kids are doing it. And an old, an old guy listening to a record player on his old console thing not is gonna. not going to start a fan club. So this has got to be the beginning of that sort of fan club that that malt that huge um, everybody's listening to you and the girls are excited. Yes. Yeah, and they're writing and they're forming groups. Exactly. They're swooning. Oh right. my god. Uh yes, and it was through the help of his publicist George Evans. That dude was really kind of the guy. He did inter- he's like go do interviews with everybody, Francis. Go take f- photo- uh, photographs with fans. Go do all of that. That that get the hype. Make the media. Blank card. Blank. Don't know what that's. There's for. two cards there. Oh, they're sticking together. Both blank cards. cards. I don't know. Recycle those. That's why they're number. That's why they're numbered. All right. Uh, this guy Evans was the man responsible for sort of making Francis look like the shy Italian American guy. He's like he had a rough childhood, but he did good. Like you know, like he painted that sort of story of that kid. So, okay. When Sinatra returns to Paramount in uh, October 1944, 35,000 fans are outside, and they caused a near riot known as the Columbus Day Riot. The Sinatra Riot. They kept naming everything after Sinatra. Why not? What? What? Uh, uh, the lines on the computer aren't very big. Oh, no, that's fine. Okay, yeah. they're minimized. Yes. Uh, when Sinatra returned to the... I already read that part. Yeah, oh, they caused a yeah, riot. Yeah, 35,000 people were left outside because... Uh, the venue, because they, like, they sold out, and those people weren't allowed in, so they rioted. Yeah, well, that was before Woodstock, so it was a big deal. That's correct. And okay. people didn't expect a bunch of kids to gather in that many, Matt. You know, like, oh, there'd be 200 kids here. I <laughs> was just talking to a 50, buddy. kids here. A buddy this morning on the phone about uh, a concert. Clutch is going to play at the machine shop. You love the machine shop now. No, I don't. Get your pink shirt on. Get up there. <laughs> get my pink shirt going. Getting, getting the the. But pit, the, the 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 the, the shit someone. sold out online like like in one minute, two minutes. You know how that is. It, yeah. Everybody knows it's coming. It's not a huge venue. People want to go see Clutch, especially in this area of the world. And so it sold out. They opened up a second show, sold out. Um, uh, but I still say you can just show up to these venues a lot of times and expect to buy a scalp ticket real quick. Might cost a couple extra bucks, but if you want to go, go get a ticket. <laughs> Not so much for these guys, huh? When not, you got no. a couple extra thousand people yeah. looking for that ticket, they're just showing up. Maybe I'll get to see his extra thirty-five thousand people roll through. Um, the Bobby Soxer devotion was so great. How great was it, Brian? They would write song titles on their clothes. They would like bribe hotel maids just to touch his bed. They'd uh, they'd actually go and physically accost him, trying to steal something like his clothing. Most commonly stolen was his bow tie. Well, yeah, it was his image. Got a bunch of teenagers grabbing at your neck. Ah, I need yeah. my voice to sing. And how, how old was he at the time, oh, do you think? God. He was uh, born 1942. In he was born in 15, so 15. Yeah, 15 30. And, so, yep, roundabout. Not, not 30 yet, but not, he's, got, not getting there. he's got teenagers trying to come after him. So he's, 
Not probably. Maybe he's hip to it. I don't know. 1942, after some time in the recording studio, Francis believes that he needs to go solo. He's like, you know what? Working with all you guys is great, but I can do better on my own. He knows that's what everybody's coming to see is him. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it. He has an insatiable desire to compete with Bing Crosby. Oh, that's his hero. Yes. Good for him. He was hampered by his contract, though. See, that gave Dorsey, the guy Dorsey band that Mm -hmm. he's in, uh, 43% of Francis's lifetime earnings in the entertainment industry. He signed that contract? <laughs> Apparently so. Remember, oh, it was like 75 bucks a week, 125 bucks a week. He's just, oh, yeah, more money. He, si- he, signed, a, he <laughs> signed his soul away, man. A legal battle ensued. They settled in August 1942. In September, Dorsey splits from Francis, reportedly saying, quote, I hope you fall on your ass. Oh, he's pissed because this guy didn't want to give him free money. Yes. <laughs> Rumors began to spread in the newspapers that Francis's mobster godfather, Willie Moretti, had a talk with Dorsey to let Francis out of his contract for a few thousand dollars, and he held a gun to his head. <laughs> and hung him over a balcony. Can my nephew get out of that contract? Huh? Here you she. This is what we're going to do, she. You think you can fly? Uh, Sinatra did not serve in the military during World War II. On December 11, 1943, he was officially classified 4F. What's that? Registrant not acceptable for military service um, by his draft board because of a perforated eardrum. And the U.S. Army files reportedly said that Francis was, quote, not acceptable material from a psychiatric viewpoint. Sounds like he got a free pass. Yeah. His emotional instability was hidden to avoid, quote, undue unpleasantness from both the selectee and the induction service. Oh, you got it. <laughs> he was Frank Sinatra. Pretty much yeah. so. Oh, you got a busted uh, eardrum? Uh, eardrum? Nobody can really see that, right? Yeah, right. I don't want it. Well, that's from the forceps when he was born, remember? Got his head squished. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. I have a perforated eardrum. Despite being heavily... Well, you're not going to be drafted. I used to. So I think they fixed it. I still can't hear worse shit. Well, they're not going to put you in the military, though. No. There's so many reasons they don't <laughs> want this. They don't want this in the military. Undo psychiatric... No, just kidding. This um, pile despite... should not have a gun. And should not be responsible for protecting our country. This pile should pay taxes to hire people to do that. That's what you do is you go in like, where are the guns? Like every day, like, they told me I'd have a gun. (laughs) I'll need two guns. I need a gun. I'll wear your boots. I'll shave my head, but give me the gun. (laughs) Terrible jokes. Despite having uh, heavy involvement in political activity in 1945 and 46, um, in those two years, Francis sang on 160 radio shows, recorded 36 times, and shot four films. Now he's in the movies. Yeah, he, that was his, it was, actually, it was like. You gotta sing, you gotta dance, you gotta act. I mean, him and Elvis did a lot of movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. By 1946, he was performing on stage up to 45 times a week, singing up to 100 songs a day, and earning up to $93,000 weekly. Is, uh, adjusting it, for inflation, $93,000 in 1946 is equal to $1,283,773.02 in 2019. Holy shit. So where, where is he doing a lot of this work at? Everywhere or just in New York? New York, Chicago. Everywhere. Okay. Everywhere. So um, he's traveling his ass off. Traveling his ass off, pulling in like a 1.2 mil a week singing. Yeah. On March, on March 4th, 1946, Francis launched his first album, The Voice of Frank Sinatra. I think my dad's got that one. I, I, I can almost picture the album cover right now. It reached number one on the Billboard charts. It stays on top for seven weeks. Um, so, sidebar. Sidebar. Uh, <laughs> sure. I, I, I think I told you, Adam 
my buddy and I, we do the, he's got a little wood shop, make some chairs. And a, I got to show you, I'm making uh, puzzles out of cigar boxes. Yeah, that's fun stuff. You got to yeah. do that stuff. Yeah. And, and we do that about once a week, if not mm, about once a week. And so I don't know what we got. We got now, we got a record player. We're now, that's we have awesome. a stereo. That's awesome. We have all the iPods and iTunes and, yeah. and Wi-Fi and all that crap. It's not the same. And so, but we were like, yeah, let's get a record player. Bruh. So we scored Sorry, a record. Michelle. So, scored a record player. Nice. And uh, um, we only had a couple albums. Like, and there were some bad, like a Neil Diamond album, whatever. And we went to a store and we bought a couple more. They're not the cheap. I mean, they're the not. I, I got Rush. I got they're some Rush. Coming to America. But my old man. Neil never, Pert, buddy. We haven't been in, in session since Neil Pert died. R.I.P. Neil Pert. R.I.P. Neil Pert. He's my true princess. So uh, Tom came through. My old man, He's. I never thought he'd do this in a million years. Like, hey, Dad, you know, we got a record player at Adam's house. If you got any old albums that, and I just kind of, like, quit right there. I'm like, nah, never mind. He goes, oh, I got some. I'll give you my dubs. Doubles. Nice. Things. He had, like, two. Uh, so he came back with a fat stack of you albums. crate of albums, did he, you? A big crate of albums. Yeah. And, like, old, like, cleaner and a swab thing. Ooh. Like a big, it looks like a candy bar, but oh, you wipe dude. it on the, it's made out of felt or Yeah, something. the felt, yep, yep, yeah. the record cleaner. So we started listening to some, I mean, some. He had some rap albums. Oh wow! Um, Bubba Sparks. Yes, <laughs> Bubba Sparks. Because you know I'm country. I'm country. Yeah, I got a double the Bubba, Bubba Sparks album you can have. Going country. But yeah, we got a bunch of albums. A good Zeppelin, The Who. I mean, some old ones from the seventies. Let me talk about it. A little bit from the eighties. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's exciting. Bubba knows. That's hilarious. There's a stack of records over there. It sounds better, right? Like you actually, the I think the albums were better writing whoever wrote them, producers or, or musicians, because you had to listen to the whole album. You're not going to skip as readily as you do now. And, like, the vinyl's got a warmth to it, man, just it, like a it, tone that's not digital. It does. You have to have your, your, your setup, your record, your, your player, your um, amp, your speakers, all have to be a little high quality. It, yep, higher quality and tuned in correctly. Yeah, and, and they do sound better because they don't eliminate bandwidth from the music that they don't think you can hear does oh, that make sense i mean like yes. if you just download a music and you're listening to pandora they're only delivering what your ears can hear there's a lot of back noise that is not in there anymore they take it out they have to compress not exactly it. yeah i was gonna say not exactly we just went through this with our audio guy and compression like do we do 44 uh hertz or do you do 42.2 41.4 you know and it's right. like yeah the human hear- ear can only hear so many frequencies and so and that, they do Take and that it out. analog album just gives you, it d- dumps everything in. Doesn't care. Yeah, it yeah. gives you all the hurts. And you hear the little pops and the scratches. That's fun. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're cool. Yes, it is. That's means. really all I'm trying to do in this life is make myself <laughs> feel cool. Make yourself feel cool? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, 1948, uh, Francis is not feeling cool. <laughs> His popularity starts to decline. In 48? Yeah, he's getting know. a reputation as a womanizer with a bad temper. Well, he had a daughter and a wife. Well, he gets caught cheating on his wife, Nancy, with actress Ava Gardner. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so he gets bumped from the heartthrob list, too, for the first time in, in many years. It'd be hard. That would be hard to do in his position. Dude. On the road all the time. Probably yeah. having a couple martinis. Oh, for sure. All these women coming up to you. I, man, I don't know. <laughs> He's been up and down and over and out, but he knows one thing. Each time that he finds himself flat on his face. He picked himself back up and got back in the race. That was his life. Oh, yeah. That's what all the people say. 
he was riding high on Sunday. Got shot down in May. Anyway. Did uh, you, you write that, Brian? I did. It's actually written out right there. Uh, 1950s. Was that a lyric or something? Yeah, that's that's life. That's one of his songs. Okay. That's life. <laughs> let's ch- let's share that with our audience. And explain that. No, I, I don't like explaining. That's the Brian's, best part because then Brian's the people lo- who get it go. Brian's okay. losing it here, dude. Yeah, you are correct. All right, so uh, that was his life, and then in the 19, 19- I'm I'm skipping now because really there's a lot of detail about Frank Sinatra. We've kind of gone sure, through most sure. of the crime. <laughs> he got picked up for seduction and, and adultery, which it both don't never take really a lot happened. to get on our show anymore. No, but I mean it's Frank Sinatra, man. This hey, guy's the bomb. And if we didn't cover seduction and adultery as a crime, then uh, we're not doing our jobs. We're not. No. Uh, so here, there's now we're kind of gonna. I'm gonna skip big chunks, and I'm not gonna get all specific. So just. Save your keyboard warriors. Okay. No, no, write oh, everything. No, write them all down. All right, come and attack us then. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss a lot. You guys fill in the blanks. Hey, most of the people that have criticized any, a lot of people have wonderful things to say. And of course, that's all well and good. But the guys and, and ladies that have criticized anything anywhere, <laughs> they've done it pretty well. I bet it's been actually <laughs> it's really kind good. Of funny. You I got mean, me. I don't think anybody's mad about it. We're just up here talking about it. Yes, <laughs> I. Yeah. Well, do you have a couple we can read at the end of the show? I have some we can read at the end of the show. It's There's one that's my favorite. Things that just make me, like, right before I go to bed, I'm like, oh, look, I got a new message. I'm like, huh. <laughs> I yeah. love them. Time to go to sleep now, I guess. <laughs> I'm a sadist, though, yeah. whatever. All right. Uh, so Francis becomes one of the first Las Vegas re- residency entertainers, meaning that he would book a show at the same Las Vegas hotel and casino for like weeks at a time. So he was one of the first guys that kind of did that? Yes. Be one of the first. It wasn't Louis Anderson? I, <laughs> he's still there, even though I wasn't he dead. Still, you can get a buffet <laughs> and Louis. Is he dead? I don't know. He looks like he. he... Him and Ralphie May and some of those dudes all look sort of the same. And John Candy, I don't know who's alive and who's not. <laughs> okay. All right, during this period, Francis becomes a member of the Rat Pack. Okay, so he, is that, was that something spawned organically, or was it kind of put together, do you think? An informal group of entertainers centered on the Las Vegas casino scene. It originated in a group of friends that met at the home of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Okay, so it was just some, some the guys, the guys in the, on the end. Well, you're hanging out with these actors. Yeah. They're hanging out with other actors. And then you're like, oh, there's these musicians that are hanging out. You know. Next thing you know, somebody let Sammy in. Exactly. Why? What? <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, well, yeah. No, but why wouldn't they let him in anyway? Ah, well, they made him, they made him convert to Judaism, so he's good. Oh, Lord. Oh. Actually, you know, I think there were a lot that, I mean, Sinatra was Catholic, 100%. Yeah. Sounds like. Dean Martin was uh, Catholic, 100%. Yeah. Dean Martola or something like that is his name. Uh, well, here we go. The group featured Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Dean Martiola, I think it was, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop, amongst some others. And, uh, and some, uh, <laughs> and some pipe-beating motherfuckers from Italy. It's like the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, everybody's in the Rat Pack, and then these are the main guys. And they go do their own thing. They right. come back. Yeah, it's the exact same right. thing. They appeared on stage and in films in the early 1960s. All of them was like, okay, Dean Martin's in a Frank Sinatra film. Frank Sinatra's in a Dean Martin film. They're all passing the buck around, you know, like... Uh, like Ocean's Seth Rogen. Ocean's Eleven. That is actually one of their original films. Is it one of their original films? Yes. All Dean the- Martin was funny. He was drunk, but yes, very funny. He was funny. He was smooth. He was quick-witted. I feel like we'll get there. We might end up doing just a whole Rat Pack suite and, of podcasts. And he was uh, him and Jerry Lewis, right? 
Okay. I think him and Jerry Lewis yes, started Jerry together Lewis, somewhat. Jerry and Lewis they, was technically in the Rat Pack. He was, again, like the Wu-Tang members. And they He's were like, funny as hell. Yes. They were funny together. And, it, you know, one, one guy's a straight guy, and then there's Flavin, you know, Jerry <laughs> Lewis, whatever, doing his thing. Professor Frank? It, <laughs> yes. All right. So Francis stars in the film Here to Eternity. Uh, it's him, Montgomery Cliff, Burt Lancaster. It jumpstarts this career revival for him. Remember I told you how he was kind mm-hmm. of down? He gets his revival off of this Here to Eternity film. He wins an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And then uh, after that, he goes off to record a song, I've got the world on a string. That's super bad. Sitting on a rainbow. Is Here to Eternity the one with the beach scene at the end or some crap? That's uh, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay, yeah, I get those two mixed you up. You blew it up! I have you a... damn daddy ape. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, after listening to the playbacks on I've Got the World on a String, I can't even do it. My voice is so shitty. <clears throat> Francis could not hide his enthusiasm, enthusiasm, exclaiming, I'm back, baby! I'm back! <laughs> He's super happy. I've got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. Though Francis always denied he was connected to the mob, he did interact with some famous mafia figures, like... Chicago mob boss Sam Giacana. Should we be re- reading mob bosses out that? <laughs> well, that's not. They're all probably like, yes, we should. Yeah, you, this you is, should. This I have no affiliation with this guy. This is in the <laughs> 60s. They might be dead. Uh, Francis had other mafioso friends, many of whom can be found in his FBI files. The FBI has been tracking Frank Sinatra and his moves since the 1940s. Well, that's when the FBI was sort of started, sort of. I don't even know if it was in the 40s. They were the FBI. They're, I think they're called something different, but they started tracking they famous were, people. Right. Yeah. And that's because he Especially had uh, in the media or in the uh, uh, in the in the in the um, entertainment uh, entertainment industry. Yes. Yeah, sure. Because he had associations with criminals and hoodlums, and accusations of uh, Francis being a dope racketeer. <sighs> not a dope racketeer, but like a dope racketeer. <laughs> a sweet racketeer. No, he's not good at it. Dope. He's trafficking dope. Uh, there are accounts of gifts from Joseph and Charles Fischetti, two brothers with Chicago outfit. Uh, who ran illegal gambling operations. There's There's a Godfather-style appearance at an Atlantic City club as a favor for attendees of the wedding of a daughter of Philadelphia mobster, Angelo Bruno. He was in... He he knew people. There's even documentation of the mob exerting pressure on Francis's behalf to release him from his 1951 music contract. We talked about that. With Dorsey, yeah. FBI agents also watch Francis Cruz with Detroit mobsters, Anthony and Vito Giacolone. Giacolone? Yeah. Giacolone. Retired FBI agent Sam Ruffino said, quote, it was like clockwork. A few times a year, we'd trail... The Giacolones to the airport to pick up Sinatra. They'd spend the weekend together socializing before and after his shows. Almost every night, they'd shut the place down. And uh, he didn't make any apologies for it. Those were his friends. Uh, the fact that they were known hoodlums and murderers didn't matter to him. He didn't care. He was going to hang out with uh, who he wanted to and hang around with. Yeah, I'll keep those guys as close <laughs> to me as possible as friends. Sure. Well, I'm not going to piss them off. Uh-uh. Not at this point, dude. Francis flaunted his friendships with organized crime and took plenty of public photographs with well-known mobsters. See, it, it worked. It was that romantic feel of the mob, and he knew it. And I, I think he you're liked, right. He he fell in love with it. They weren't gonna whack him. I mean, and, he's fine. And back then, I mean, even now, people have such a romantic view of of our gangsters, you know, of our mobsters, of our of you know. Not just the Italian mobsters, but the gangsters. Right, but right. everybody's like that. He's in with the mob. He likes the mob guys. It's family. Yeah. And, hey, 
Italian mobsters, I think they ate real well. In fact, I think I'm going to make some uh, uh, some Italian food tonight for dinner made, after the show. Made, I'm serious. I'm, made pasta last night, buddy. Got the got the zero zero flour out and made my own noodles. It's and called double O. Double O what? Double O flour. It's not zero zero. Oh, it's double O. I was calling it ooh flour. <laughs> 1950, Francis offers to snitch on some of his criminal uh, friends that he hung around with. He sends an associate to J. Edgar Hoover. Are you serious? To offer his services as an informant. What? The FBI declined. One of Hoover's aides wrote, quote, we want nothing to do with him. Huh. I wonder if he's serious or he's just going to, like, put up a bunch of red herrings or something. I don't. Yeah, well, I mean, just like, you know, bad information. Francis was never prosecuted for criminal behavior in connection with his many mob ties. But the FBI was watching him for what they considered to be suspicious activity with possible ties to communism. I thought that might come up. He's a red. Well, he's Italian. He's a red. I mean, he's a commie. Is he for real? That guy's a commie. No. Now, where did the nice little boy like you learn such a a commie? I just believe. Commie, commie. I just believe the workers should have control of the means of production. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not. Don't take that out there. The FBI didn't always focus on the singer himself. Uh, since Francis was such a high-profile star, he was regularly targeted by people who wanted to extort or blackmail him. You ready for this? Yeah. December eighth, nineteen sixty-three. Two weeks after President Kennedy was assassinated, who was a friend of Frank Sinatra's? Um, they're at Harrow's Lake Tahoe. It's a hotel, casino in Tao. Mm-hmm. Room 417. 40, 417 for you. Three men kidnap Francis's son, Frank Sinatra Jr., age 19. They nab him while he's sitting in his underwear eating chicken thigh at the hotel. Oh, dude, I would be so pissed. <laughs> dude, can you wait a minute? Can I go wipe my hands off? Hey, fellas, what's up? Put uh, a pair of drawers on. They drive him around all over California in a Chevy, sometimes blindfolded in the back, te- back seat, sometimes he's in the trunk. I don't know why they're moving around. <laughs> Get in the back now. Hey, stop the gas station. I'm putting this guy in the trunk. The FBI. He's uh, not wearing any pants. The FBI tells Francis to wait for the ransom demand and then play it so that the Bureau could sort of track the money and then get the kidnappers. Like, mm. Just give them the money. We'll figure out where the money goes. Then, you know, follow the money. Uh, Junior's released uh, 54 hours later after his father paid 240000 in ransom demand- demanded by the kidnappers. It's about $2 million bucks in today's money. The FBI soon caught the abductors. The ringleader turned out to be 23-year-old man named Barry Worthington Keenan, an alcoholic drug addict and devout Catholic who had attended high school with Francis's older daughter, Nancy. Oh. So it's a friend of his kids, yeah, Nancy. It's usually somebody you know. Steals right, sure. her little brother. Uh, Keegan briefly entertained the idea of kidnapping Bob Hope's son, Tony, but figured that would be un-American. <laughs> At least he had some morals. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not stealing Bob a Hope's kid. Uh, all three kidnappers were convicted and sentenced to long prison terms, which they only served small portions of. Uh, they were all sentenced to 12 years, served 4.5, and the kidnappers all demanded that the communication be conducted by payphone. So that's the thing. They're like, hey, when we're doing the kidnapping, we're going by payphone. During these conversations, Francis is concerned he wouldn't have enough coins to, like, you know, keep the call going. Like, Excuse me, please insert 25 cents to continue talking. We have to explain payphones to people. You had to pay money so you could use a phone that was on the side of the road. Or yeah, the it was a big, huge phone, and the, and the handset that you talked into and listened out of was connected to a big box with feed, a cable. You had to put coins in it. <laughs> you had to put coins in it. Like, like it, wasn't, it was pay-as-you-go, but you had to literally pay right then as you go, and there's no credit system. So yeah, yeah. 
Now, see this, having the, 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 the ransom thing, that prompted Francis to carry ten dimes with him at all times for the rest of his life. Oh, really? He was buried with ten dimes in his pockets. Oh, that's Spoiler, cool. he dies. <laughs> okay. His FBI file uh, never ended up getting him in any trouble. It did reflect the power and influence he had, though, like because they were worried about him starting social movements with communism and things like that. So was he, was he a compassionate? Was he a pink, a pinky or, I mean, you know, was he a, he wasn't a full No, he was not a kind. What happened was there I mean, was He a, was suspected of it, but was he? There Did was it? a screenwriter strike in Hollywood and they fired these guys. It was like the Hollywood nine and they fired these dudes because they would not say whether they were or were not communists. Yes. I kind of remember something. Right. And Sinatra was sort of sympathetic to him. He's like, leave them alone, man. They don't have to tell you if they are or aren't. And it doesn't matter. That's this part is, of, we're making movies and music. It does not matter. That's part about being an American is you can be a communist. <laughs> if you want to, right? Yeah. Right. Don't tread on so, me. Right. That was sort of what they're like. They, they could have painted him with the brush of communism if they wanted to, because they were taking people down back then. Like, oh, he's a commie. She's a commie. Oh, well, like ruining a, careers and stuff. It was a scary time, and there was a bit of a witch hunt situation going on. I mean, right. Though uh, his FBI file references a lot of his shady dealings and thuggish friends, it also shows him speaking out against racism and on the behalf of democracy. Okay. So, he goes on to achieve legendary status in film and music. He recorded 1,400 singles, 108 songs on the charts, three number one hits, 14 top ten hits. He's nominated for 30 Grammys. He won 11 Grammys. He's got a Lifetime Achievement Award, a Legends Award. Uh, album of the year three times. Only five groups have ever done that. He has three stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He has three. Who? What? Greedy bastard. <laughs> Co- those cost you twenty five grand a piece every time you get one. Like you, the performer. Just so you know. Well, can do I have to be? Can I just get one? Yes. I can just go buy one. There's a waiting list, and you have to have twenty five thousand dollars. But I think honestly, it's the requirements aren't large. Okay. It's a money making venture on the Walk of Fame. That's why it's the Walk of Fame. You can. It's not it's sanctioned by like the. <laughs> This is by the Walk of Fame. Well, I mean, they're putting it in in the sidewalk, which I believe is like the city sidewalk, isn't it? I suppose there's an arrangement with the city because it generates tourism and whatnot. I, it's a good thing for everybody. Well, he's got three stars there on the Walk of Fame. Uh, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Ronald Reagan in 1985. He was in at least 44 movies. Well, then he's not a commie. No, he's if Reagan's not. giving him shit, he no, ain't he's a commie. They, I just think they were like justifying watching him. Yeah, and because he had so much social sway, they were very close on. Like Elvis, same thing. They were watching him to make sure he didn't. Well, know. Elvis was trying to break down the doors to be a fed a, a federal. Agent. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they weren't worried about him. So what's the? Oh, I'm the stars on the yeah. Walk of Fame are one thing. Right. What's the thing where they put their hands in the shit in the concrete the then... grauman's chinese theater it's the same thing it's walk of fame it's is just that the, part of it i believe it's just the end of it I don't know. so i uh, can i pay to do that sure he has a ra- he had a radio show the frank sinatra show he was married four times he had three children all with his first wife nancy he lived a long life suffered some health problems including high blood pressure and bladder cancer during his last years may 14th 1998 at the age of 82 <clears throat> frank sinatra dies of a heart attack his final words were Close. I'm losing. All right. <laughs> Night after. Oh, God. That's present tense, and, and now it's past tense. I lost. There's a bunch of blank cards here. I don't know what happened to card 73. We'll never know. <laughs> That's a, it's probably something really, like, important. 
Or 75, that's blank. <laughs> ah, 73, woo! All right, good. Made me scared for a second. We got, down, we got down to the last two yeah, cards right. here, and Brian's, <laughs> the whole show's come oh, off the rails. And I forgot to. Uh, the night after his death, the lights on the Empire State Building in New York City were turned blue, the lights in the Las Vegas Strip were dimmed in his honor, and the casinos stopped spinning for one minute. Wow. Wow. Oh, dude. Wow. Quote from Frank Sinatra himself, quote, I am a thing of beauty. <laughs> I think he stole that from me. Frank Sinatra, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! All right, just put a little, and maybe a little context there. When he when he died, yeah, and I don't think it was nearly as tragic as what we had here recently with the Kobe. Yes. No. Um, but I mean that's getting a lot of uh, a lot of press right now, and they're doing all these special things for Kobe Bryant. You know, died in a helicopter crash here recently. I mean. To rape a girl, but well, Frank Sinatra had some what was it, seduction, seduction, and adultery. He and just he slept with him, just saying he was gonna marry him. He, he I think he had their consent, yeah. Uh, and that whole entire thing was you know, the, you never know. That was a long time that, ago. That thing that happened, I, I actually, when it happened, I just looked into it here, and oh. there was never really any there. He was never convicted, they dropped the charges. Yes, she got then a civil suit came through, she ended up getting paid. Um, so who knows? I mean, he, had- you know what I did read, I, I will cite my source. I read this on Twitter. If you got, if you take a settlement, it wasn't rape. You a hoe is what, that's what the tweet said. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, so, I don't, I don't know about that, but, uh, but uh, whatever. And, and, I mean, and there's definitely a lot. I, it's hard to be a celebrity back then. Oh God. And it's hard to be a celebrity it is. now. Oh, it's, but it's sometimes that celebrity passes like the Kobe thing. They start doing all the cool things at basketball games, you know, taking the 24-second and the 8-second violation. I, I mean, sure. Oh, well, those were his two numbers, you know, to 8 and 24. Score a goal unit. I don't yeah, know. go go sport. Yay, woo. Yeah, yep. But I, they dim the lights uh, on the Vegas Strip. Yep. Or in the L.A. No, Vegas Strip. Vegas Strip. They quit playing. They stopped gambling. They stopped gambling for a, for minute, a minute. In the entire city of Las New Vegas. York, the New York uh, building over there turned the lights blue. <laughs> the Empire State Building. Dude, that's cool. That's a way that's to cool. go out, man. That's a way that's to go. That's cool. Out. I mean, that's that's neat. That's right. and he wasn't a he wasn't a choir boy. No. Yeah. No, he wasn't. It's hard to live an entire life and be perfect every day. I'm giving it my best. I was like, "How you doing it, Ben? How you uh, doing it?" Since Ben said he's living the perfect life every day, I'm being perfect. It's not perfect. I've never done anything wrong. <laughs> if you've never done anything wrong, send us a message on the social medias. Reach out to us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, let us know that you're listening. Ooh, just a side note, Wyoming. We got three people in Wyoming or three downloads from Wyoming. Yeah, One person downloaded it. three episodes. So we confirm <laughs> that it exists. It's a state. I think we talked about this already. I know. I'm just re- I'm just Pretty super happy about, about Wyoming is out there. I, it's right, it's almost got, like seeing we, the... We literally have thousands upon tens of thousands of downloads, and these three from Wyoming's got Brian <laughs> getting a bigger boner than I've <laughs> ever seen. They're Wyoming, like, you know? taking corners wide over here. I'm telling you. All right, guys, that's enough for us. If uh, you like that sort of thing, share with a friend, subscribe, tell people, listen to crime and music. Ooh, go to iTunes and leave a review. And if you're from Vermont, come on, get Brian a Vermont boner. Dude. We won't get Vermont. That's the last one. We literally have 49 states out of 50. Vermont. Vermont. Wait, syrup and trees? What do they got up there? Why, how Ber- co- isn't Bernie Sanders got some pull? Can Vermont. Bernie help us? That's Newhart. That's your Newhart land, I dude. Know. Can't can't you somehow spark a Newhartian revolution up there? I'll try. All, All right. right. All right. 
Everybody in the world, uh, never trust a big butt and a smile in, in people in Vermont, especially. You better trust Vermont big butts. They don't get big butts in Vermont, maybe. Where's Ben and Jerry? Vermont. It's everything we're about. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.